years in August, uh, and uh, in in the course of those years, two different times, about every two years or so, uh, I do a short series on our purpose and philosophy of ministry, and what is our biblical purpose of a church? Why do we do what we do? What is our measure of success? How do we measure if we're accomplishing what God intends for the church to be accomplishing? And we found uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, and I've taught this numerous times uh, in, uh, throughout the years in ministry, uh, as we get to verse number 11, Paul makes this statement. He says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What a statement in verse number 13. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message, speak to our hearts. May it be something that will be profitable to us, something that we can take and apply daily uh, into our lives. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct us, help us as we look into your word for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We find here that there's a reason why God gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And he says here, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And the word perfect in Scripture oftentimes, depending on how it's used in the context that it's used in, but many, many times when it talks about being perfect, it's dealing not with sinlessness, but with the idea of being fully matured, uh, to be completed, um, to have that idea of uh, growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is, the Apostle Paul says, uh, he even brought it up, he said, not as though I had already attained. In other words, he said, I haven't reached that goal yet, but he said, I do press for the mark. And the mark was the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to become as much like Him as I possibly can. And uh, so we find as he teaches this that there's uh, uh, the idea in verse number 12 of the perfecting of the saints. So the reason that there are apostles and prophets, and of course we don't have either of those in the day that we live, um, but in the fact that they also proclaimed the word of the Lord, I guess we could say that some of the things that apostles and prophets did we still do today. Uh, And then it says evangelists, we do have those, and we do have pastors and teachers and the purpose that, that Paul says that these are given is so that the, the saints can be perfected. They can be matured. They can be uh, uh, grown, if you will. They can be encouraged in the area of spiritual growth. Uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and I've often wondered this, uh, if we do not do a disservice sometimes by sending out unqualified and unskilled laborers into the harvest. I think that oftentimes that we cause more harm than good when we send out people who do not understand and do not know uh, the Word of God and can handle it well uh, to do a work that God has given for us to do of reaching people with the gospel. I believe that's why God told His disciples to pray that the Lord would send forth laborers under the harvest. I believe also that's why Paul spent... Uh, uh, the idea of, or gave the idea of studying to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. If we're going to be a servant, a servant for the Lord, a workman for the Lord, then we need to be prepared. We need to be skilled. We need to be qualified. I never cease to be amazed at how much effort and time and money and resources we will put into learning a career, 
uh, learning a trade, and then the ongoing training that oftentimes your employers require, uh, that throughout the year you have to get so many continuing education credits or continuing uh, training in that field or in that area. And yet when it comes to serving the Lord, it seems like we just throw anybody that names the name of Christ out there to do His work, and we never do any training. We never teach them from Scripture how, how things are to be. And oftentimes we fail to study the way that we should. Uh, if, if someone fails to train you or teach you, you can learn all you need to know by going to God's Word and studying it and learning it. And I believe that, that maybe one of the motivating factors for you and I to get into God's Word and to saturate ourselves with it, to devour it, to learn it, is so that we can be workmen that need not to be ashamed. Uh, we, can, we can have some skill and, and be able to do a work for the Lord. <clears throat> now, when going through this, uh, we've got to be so careful when we do study that we do not go in our own power. Uh, the danger is that we'll gain some knowledge, we'll gain some uh, confidence in God's Word, some boldness in God's Word, and then we will go with an arrogance and we will say, okay, now that I've got all these tools at my disposal, now that I have all this training, I can go out here and I can just do the work. And we've got I, I, I involved in this. And I think it's very, very important for us to understand that we can do nothing without the Lord Jesus Christ doing that work through us. The need of the Holy Spirit to do a work in the hearts of men. And so while I do believe that we need to study and be well equipped, we also have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God. So we find that these evangelists, pastors and teachers, are given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. In other words, we, we grow, we mature, we learn, we study, we handle the Word of God so that we can do better and we are more effective. We've got more tools at the Holy Spirit's disposal that He can choose to use as He would see fit to do the work that He's called us to do. And for the edifying of the body of Christ, this is the building up, the strengthening, the undergirding, the, the growth, if you will. And the context of this, I think, is summed up in verse number 13. We're to continue in this. This is not something that we do and we accomplish and then we get this certificate of completion on. But it's something that we do, and the Bible goes on to say in verse number 13, till, in other words, we're to be doing these things, till we all come together in the unity of the faith. How long is it going to take for all of us to come together in the unity of the faith? <laughs> Until we get to heaven. Uh, we experienced a little disunity today at lunch. And uh, we chuckle about that and cut up about it. But the truth is, we're to study, we're to learn some of these things, and we're to do this and to progress in these things throughout our life. We don't, we don't, we don't get done. We don't get finished. We don't get the graduation diploma. We, we continue to grow until the day that we go to heaven. And he says, till we all come together in the unity of the faith, and notice this, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a what? A perfect man. Again, this word of per perfect, the idea of not being of sinlessness, but uh, of being mature, to be, to be perfected, to be grown. And uh, until we come unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what is the goal? What is the goal? What should be the goal of every Christian, someone who trusts Christ as their Savior? The goal should be to be just like the Lord Jesus Christ in every way. Are we going to succeed at that on this side of heaven? We won't succeed at it, but it ought to be that which we are diligent to pursue after. It ought to be that that Paul uses the word press toward the mark for, 
The idea of a racer that is straining and leaning and pressing and giving all the effort to, uh, I, I find oftentimes, if we're not careful, we stick our, our Christian life on cruise control. Uh, I, I've got a new Toyota truck, and one of the things they came, they came standard with it is uh, what they call progressive cruise control. And uh, the, the thing I don't like about it is I'll get up on the road and I'll set my cruise control. And uh, if I'm not careful, the car in front of me will slow down. And if I'm not careful, I'm only looking at the distance I am from that car. And that car will keep slowing down and slowing down and slowing down. And the next thing I know, I look down at my, my speedometer and I'm going 30 on the 70 mile an hour road. And people are passing me like crazy. Why? Because my eyes were on the wrong thing. We've got to be careful that we don't put the Christian life on cruise control, but that there be a constant pursuit, a constant pressing, a constant uh, diligence given to this idea of getting to the place where we have the fullness of Christ, where we, where we feel like we've met every aspect of His life and His attributes. We've become as much like Him as possible. That the fact that the word Christian means Christ-like, or little ones, little Christ, the little Christs, the, the Christ ones, the idea that we are like Christ. Uh, there's a lot of times I've, I've told people before, we use the term saved and Christian interchangeably, but the truth is they really are different terms. Someone can be saved and not be a Christian. They can not be Christ-like. On the other hand, I've seen people that have tried to be Christ-like outwardly, but weren't saved on the inside. And we've got to be so careful of these things. And so we find here that the purpose of the apostles, the, the pastors, uh, the, the prophets, which we don't have the apostles and prophets anymore, but we have the, uh, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, is to perfect or to help mature, to help encourage and motivate, edify the body of Christ in this area of becoming perfect to the fullness of Christ. And we do this until the day that we go to heaven. We do this ongoing through our Christian life. We've got to be careful that we do not become stagnant with our Christian growth. Um, the songwriter wrote years ago, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. But it's not if we're not growing, if we're not drawing closer to Him. So I wrote down some, some questions I think that, that we ought to ask ourselves that are, I believe, Bible-based questions that we need to look at when it comes to saying, am I, am I stagnant? Or am I pursuing, am I, am I maturing in my Christian life? Am I content with where I am? Did I just get saved and that's all there was to it? Or am I continuing to grow? Am I continuing to press toward the mark? Am I continuing to pursue after <coughs> the measure, the stature, of the fullness of Christ? So I wrote down a few questions here uh, that I think are very practical questions. Uh, they all would have Bible principles to them. Um, I won't give you references for all of them, but I will tell you that all of them have a Bible principle attached to them, and you're welcome to study those and find those. Number one, when it comes to my maturity level spiritually, am I consulting the Bible more and more for answers? Am I consulting the Bible more and more for answers? It's amazing how often we go to other places for the answers of life when the Bible has all of the answers of life. And I don't care how old we get, there are times we get, to the, we, we get uh, careless about it and we neglect coming to the Bible as often as we should. I believe that one of the marks of a maturing 
Christian is someone who is more and more prone to go to Scripture for the answer than other places. More than going to their friends, more than going to uh, Facebook, not that Facebook would ever help you, but more than going to other places for the, the answers, we come to God's Word. The Bible teaches us that it is His Word. It is the thing that gives us the answers to life. Uh, the Bible teaches us that we're to meditate therein day and night. The idea that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The fact that it will keep us from sin. So many of these things that God's Word is useful for, are we consulting it more and more? A mark of a maturing Christian is one that will long to come to the Word of God more and more. His desire will be to look into its pages more and more. Number two. Number two, are we becoming more like Christ as the Holy Spirit teaches us from His Word? Are we becoming more like Christ as the Holy Spirit teaches us from His Word? When we come across uh, an example of God's attributes or Christ's attributes, if we come across an example of his, his, uh, some of the, the things that characterize Him, His purity, His holiness... Um, his kindness, his tenderness, his long suffering. Do we do we strive to become more and more like Christ? Is that our desire? Are we pressing toward that mark, or are we just kind of hitting the cruise control and going along? Again, I think a mark of a maturing Christian <clears throat> is one that says, "I want to be more like Christ today." I want to be more pleasing to Him today. I want to follow His example more today. I want to learn more about Him so I can become more like Him today. And I believe that's a mark of a maturing Christian. Am I maturing? Number three, is God meeting and answering your prayers more and more? Is God meeting and answering your prayers more and more? I have found this to be true, that the closer we draw to the Lord Jesus Christ... And the more we abstain from the worldliness of this world, the more God begins to answer our prayers. And it is a measuring rule. It is a mark of a maturing Christian. Is God meeting and answering prayers? Now, I'm not saying that He always does what we ask Him to do. But is He giving and providing an answer to that prayer? It may not always be our outcome and what we would like, but we would know without any doubt that God intervened in the situation. Are we seeing that more and more? Number four, am I serving by faith or am I scheming to get things done? Uh, Brother Harold and I were talking about this the other night. Uh, the older I get in ministry, the less impressed I am with the worldly promotions that go on to bring people into a church house. I, I don't see the New Testament church uh, hiring a pony and having hay rides to get people to come to church. I don't see it. I do see a, a vibrant, Holy Spirit-filled, God supernaturally working in church that they were excited about, and they went out and told people everywhere they went about what God was doing, and those people came to see God do a work. And that's what I see in the New Testament church. So when it comes to our service, I believe that a mark of an immature Christian is one that schemes and comes up with manly ways and man-made ways to accomplish God's work. I believe a mature Christian is one that is serving by faith, who just simply trusts God to do the work, 
to accomplish it? And uh, are we serving by faith or scheming to get things done? Number five. Number five. Is unity of the brethren growing and the caring for one another spontaneous? Is the unity of the brethren growing? I think that's one of the key marks of a maturing church. I really do. I don't think it's the only one. I think it's a very strong mark of a maturing church and people that are in that church. The caring that they have one for another. The unity of the brethren. <clears throat> are there, is there spontaneous caring for one another? I was, I was amazed. And I, I don't mean to brag. As sure as I brag on this, you know, pride goeth before destruction, I guess. As soon as I brag on this about people, it may fall apart. I hope not. But it, I will say this. As a pastor, when we went through a rash of COVID through our church, and two-thirds of our church were sick with it, I got calls and emails and texts every single day, multiple ones, but never asking for help for themselves. They were always saying, Pastor, I was in touch with so-and-so, and they need this. And most of these were coming from people that were on their own sick beds and were in need themselves of some help. And yet their concern was the other brothers and sisters in the church. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I sat there during those uh, probably week and a half or two weeks and I thought, what a church. What a blessing that people, even in their own sickness, are more concerned about someone else in their sickness and what they can do for them. How, how can they be a help? How can they be a blessing? Can I tell you, I think that's a mark of a maturing Christian. I think that's Christ-like. To be more concerned with the needs of others than our own. Uh, Number six. Do we strive to be a blessing to others? Do we strive to be a blessing to others? I'm not talking about necessarily material things. There are times that Certainly material blessings are nice and they are helpful. But sometimes a kind word, a a simple text, letting them know I'm praying for you today, makes a world of difference. We never know what someone else is going through. There are are burdens. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week. He and I call each other fairly regularly and pray together with each other over the phone because we both bear a lot of burdens that people share with us. I... There are people in our church that share burdens with me, and I'm not at liberty to share with other folks, and so I bear those with those people. And I, I'm not complaining or, or trying to get people to feel sorry for, for me as a pastor, but the concern is this. All of us have burdens that other people don't know about. Are we trying to be a blessing to them? I, there's a number of people in our community that over the last several years I've developed friendships with and have tried to reach with the gospel. And uh, some have, have been successful. Some are going to other churches now at least. And I thank the Lord for the fact that they're at least going to another church. And uh, numbers of folks, probably as many as we have here in our church or maybe even more in the area that don't go to our church, that call me regularly and praying with, with them and, and uh, sharing their burdens with them. Are we being kind and being a blessing to others? Are we striving to try to find ways to be an encouragement to others. Because we don't know what, what burden they're under. We don't know the pressure they're under. Are we trying to be a blessing to others? I see Christ doing this. Christ had a benefit that you and I don't have. Uh, and I say we don't have it. In a roundabout way, we sort of do. But Christ had the ability to see into the heart of a person. 
and could see the burden and the problem on their heart. And I say we don't have that ability, but we do have something that is available to us, and that is we have the Holy Spirit of God that can prompt us, that can put upon our heart things to do for people. And I think that we need to be very careful to be sensitive to those things. Uh, there have been times that literally I'll be thinking my mind will be 100 miles away and someone will come to my heart and somehow it'll, it'll just weigh on me heavy. Um, here, here just a, a couple months ago, I uh, was going down the road. Jonathan and I had been working and we were working on a project and uh, had gotten done working. And all day long I kept saying, uh, uh, well, you know, we haven't taken Pastor Waymire out for lunch in a while. And, and two or three times that day I told Jonathan, I said, you know, I need to call him. We need to talk to him. And uh, I just hadn't talked to him in a while. It had been a few weeks, you know. And uh, we were coming home. We got the project done. And I, I told Jonathan again, I said, man, he's been on my heart today all day long. And I just don't know why. And so I picked up the phone and I called. And, and Miss Peggy answered the phone. And that morning he had had a stroke. And I shared that she was able to put me on speakerphone and I was able to share some words with him and encourage him and pray with him. And uh, I often wonder if I had ignored that little prompting, that just that idea that he would have been on my heart that day, if that just would, if I would have missed that opportunity. And we need to be sensitive to those things. You say, well, Pastor, that was just a coincidence. I could give you time after time that that's happened. And that ought to be the case. We ought to be sensitive to the things that God lays on our hearts to do. And it's not an audible voice. We don't, we don't hear God speak. But He does impress upon us things. He does bring people to mind. There have been folks I haven't thought about for months. And one, one moment they'll come into my heart and in my mind and I'll spend some time praying for them. Oftentimes I'll text them or I'll call them and find out what's going on in their life. It's amazing how many times that very day, that very moment, they're going through something. And um, I was sitting at, uh, I was sitting in Walmart. Actually, I'd gotten up early one morning, way earlier than I normally do. Couldn't figure out why I couldn't go back to sleep. And got up and went into town, and was sitting in the parking lot at Walmart and uh, just watching the sun come up. And Brother Eddie Oates was on my heart, heavy about 8 o'clock in the morning. And I, I thought, my dad always taught me not to call people before 8 o'clock in the morning. And I thought, you know, I need, to, I, need to, I need to talk to him. I need to text him. And so I sent him a text. And I said, Brother Eddie, just want to let you know I'm praying for you right now. And he texted back and said, my wife just passed. I'm getting ready to call the police. He hadn't even called the, the emergency people yet. And I wonder if I had stayed in bed that morning and hadn't even been out praying and thinking and just just sharing things with the Lord and, and trying to be sensitive to those things. I wonder if I'd have missed that opportunity. Are we being a blessing to others? Is that something we strive for? Number seven. Do we seek God's daily plan for us? Do we find out what God wants us doing today? We know His will. His will is given to us in Scripture. I don't think there's any doubt over what God's will is. 
I prefer to use the word plan. I know we often use the word will to mean that, but I prefer the word plan because I think it differentiates between what we do know is His will and what He has intended for our life today. And it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same for all of us. Are we seeking that on a daily basis? Do we wake up in the morning saying, Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do today? Open the doors of opportunity. Provide the, the things that, that you need done today for me. And um, I think that there's a, quite a bit of teaching in Scripture that when it comes to walking in the Spirit, I'm not saying that God is limited. I, I certainly don't want to limit God in any way. I'm not saying that God can't show us uh, long-term out. I know pastors that plan their entire preaching schedule for a whole year before the year starts. I know people that, that plan things way out and they feel like they prayed about it and this is what God wants. But I find that oftentimes it's wonderful when we come to God daily and seeking Him daily and saying, Lord, what do you have for me today? Jesus, when He was teaching His disciples to pray, mentioned to them, He said, as He, he was in the prayer, He says, Give us this day our daily bread. I, I, don't, need to, I don't need to borrow from tomorrow. I need, to, I need to please Him today. I'm not saying we don't ever make plans. That's not my, my intent here. My intent is that daily we seek, Lord, what do you have for me today? I'll be real frank. There's times I've had a schedule set, and God completely changed that schedule. Are we sensitive to that? Are we willing to be yielded to that? Uh, or do we seek His daily plan? I think that's a mark of a maturing Christian. Number eight. Do we test any new ideas of, of, of biblical matters with Scripture? Do we test any new ideas of, uh, of biblical matters with Scripture? Um, <clears throat> there were a group of folks called the Gnostics during Paul's time, and uh, they were a superstitious people. They, they were always seeking to find something new, and they had gods. Uh, and he went up on Mars Hill, and they had gods to... Every God you could imagine, because they didn't want to miss one. And then they had a, 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 a monument to the God with the, uh, the unknown God, the one that, that, in case they missed one, this is the one they wanted to make sure they knew about. And Paul got up there and he said, Y'all have all these ones. He said, You got this one to the unknown God. Let me tell you who he is. <laughs> you don't know him yet, or you wouldn't have all these other ones. And um, the idea of. Uh, being careful that we're not so enamored with finding something new and unique and profound with Scripture that we devise some type of a heretic type of a belief. Do we have a desire to take those things that we believe we've found in Scripture and search them out through the Scriptures to make sure, to make absolutely certain that we've understood that correctly? Uh, I think there are times... This book is a living book. There's no doubt we're going to learn new things. From time to time, we're going to come across stuff we've never seen before in there. I don't care how long we've been saved. And we ought to. But when that happens, we've got to be careful that we check it with Scripture and make sure that it does not contradict, that it does not have some other issue with Scripture. I think that's a mark of a mature Christian. An immature Christian, I think, would find that, and just because they saw it right there in that one verse and they think that's what it means, then that's their belief. And don't you tell me anything different than that. Uh, 
We need to find every passage in Scripture and make sure it's in agreement with it. And again, a mark of a matured Christian. Number nine, am I more yielded to doing what I know to be right? Day by day, am I more yielded doing what I already know to be right? You know, most of us don't have a problem with knowing the difference between right and wrong. That's usually not the battle. The battle is, am I going to do what I know to be right? The mark of a maturing Christian is one who is able to pursue and press towards doing what is right more and more. They purpose in their hearts. They desire to do that which is right. And when they do that which is wrong, it's, it's more mortifying to them. Uh, they're more disappointed in themselves over it. And I think, again, that is a mark of a maturing Christian to be more yielded to do what we know to be right. Number ten, is my love for Christ growing? Do I have more love for Him today than I did yesterday? Or last week? (coughs) Or last month? Have you ever caught yourself remembering a time in your life and saying, boy, I wish I could be there again? I sure loved Him so much back then. My Christian life was so just on fire. Everything was great then. Are we maturing? If we've lost that along the way, then we're not growing. We're not maturing in some of these areas. Number 11, is my joy in my salvation growing? Do I get more excited about my salvation as each day goes by? I'll tell you, the older I get, the more precious my salvation is to me. The more I recognize what God had to do in order for me to be saved. I think it's a sign, a mark of a maturing Christian. I think these are questions that we should be able to ask ourselves and to use, all of them based in biblical principle, that are, if you will, a measuring tape to see how we're doing as far as our maturity. Are we growing in these areas? There may be one or more of these that we struggle in. Then let's work on those. And uh, Lord willing, next week uh, in this, this hour, the afternoon hour, <coughs> we're going to try to, if we can get it all together, have a short memorial service for Brother Everett. And so I want to encourage you uh, to be a part of that. But uh, I'll also take a few moments uh, before the memorial service uh, to share with you, and I'll try to have uh, all this together. I've got several notes already for it. These are the measurements of maturity in your life. And next week I'm going to try to give several points from Scripture on how do we mature in the Christian life. What is it that will help us to mature in these areas? And so we'll try to give you some very practical helps in that as well. Folks, I, I, if we're not doing this, if we're not maturing, if we're not growing in the Christian life, then we might as well shut the doors of the church and go home. Uh, we're here to grow. We're here to edify one another, to encourage one another, to motivate one another, to pray for one another. And not in jealousy, not saying I'm better and I'm smarter and I'm a more spiritual Christian than those that are here with me in this church. But we're in this together. We're all trying to become like Christ. 
and the strength that we give to one another as we bond together and, and, and give ourselves together and edify one another in these things, I think, uh, will will depend on how well we mature Christian-wise in, in our spirituality. There ought to be a continued growth. And let's not be comfortable being stagnant where we are, but drawing closer to Him every day. All right? Let's uh, dismiss in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. May the things that we've taught here today be of help, practical help, things that will be beneficial to us. May we post these in our homes, on our refrigerators, in our cars, places that we will be often reminded to ask such questions. I pray that you'd help us to grow in every way uh, spiritually, that we would be drawn closer to you, our love for you would be greater, our desire to live in a way that is pleasing to you would be greater. Father, I pray that you'll dismiss us now with your blessings, give us safety as we travel back to our homes. And bring us back again safely on Wednesday, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you all Wednesday, and if the rapture happens, we'll see you sooner. Looking at the news, I think it's going to be soon.